Hello and welcome to This is Calvary. Many of you know that Pastor Gerald took his long-awaited sabbatical this summer and he returned in late August. In that first staff meeting after his sabbatical, he shared with us a page worth of notes entitled, What I Learned on My Summer Vacation. The conversation was meaningful and it prompted ideas on how this could be shared with the whole Calvary family. So soon after, Johnny, Gerald, and I sat down for the long version. The good kid growing up, that was me. I was voting most likely to be a priest. And I thought I could not let anyone down. My definition of the way to be kind was to lose myself and to shun desire. I thought I had life figured out. So you got to take your sabbatical from mid-May to mid-August. What did you find? When you like shut off the negative emotions, you also start shutting off the positive emotions as well. And I I couldn't get to joy because I was so busy trying to suppress grief. You know, you think your anxiety is about one thing, but then you realize it's actually not about that. I just know at one point I was sitting on a like little yard couch thing and I just broke down crying he just put his arm around me and honestly I don't remember almost anything that anybody said the only thing I remember uh, that was said Johnny you you said we see you and to experience the the face of Christ in the face of the other I mean that I think there's just such beauty What I realized this summer is how hard it is to let yourself feel up by God. To be called into relationship with God like a small child, as an object of love. Like that's the beginning of the foundation of the Christian life. Yeah, it's like knowing it at like the, the gut level. I remember thinking, I think he'll come out of this. If he does, I want to work with him. Hello and welcome to This is Calvary. My name is Caroline Whitman and I am here with Pastor Johnny and a long-awaited guest, Pastor Gerald. Hey, hey. (laughs) He's back, everyone. (laughs) How are you? Good, good. Good to be here. Good. Good to be here. We, I've had quite a few people ask me, so when's Gerald going to come on the podcast again? Because you opened us up with your introductory, like this is our vision for the podcast, over a year ago, actually, almost exactly. And then I disappeared. Then he disappeared. Yeah. Now you're back. Um, and so we're excited to hear a little bit about what you have for us. It's been, not only are you like back on the podcast, but you have been out of the office on your summer vacation. I have been. My summer vacation. <laughs> <laughs> you're not doing a three-month summer vacation every summer, are you? I, I thought I was. Am I not? Okay. Am I not well, doing I, that? We just... That's not what I understood. Okay. All right. That's we, not what Johnny said. We can talk so. about this later. <laughs> All right, maybe, maybe off podcast we can. Uh, as long as you don't do it again without a worship pastor, yeah. then okay. Oh can. yeah, very good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> good. Good thought. It's a good thought. In the midst of a global pandemic. Yeah. 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 No, Gerald, it's good to have you back. Yeah. Good. Yeah, very we're good. eager it's good to. Be to back. Yeah, eager to hear. You know, just kind of more of uh, your sabbatical and what God kind of taught you in it. Uh, one of the things we've talked about 
was just probably a lot of people are aware, but maybe some are not, of just how many times you tried to sabbatical. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, the very first time I think you were lined up and approved for a sabbatical, which for our congregation is for full-time pastors on staff every seven years, we're granted a three-month sabbatical. And the very first time you were approved for it, our senior pastor at the time resigned. And so it didn't feel like uh, the right time for you to go on yeah, sabbatical. Uh, you may have came back without a job. They hired yeah, someone who else. Who knows what could have <laughs> exactly. happened. Uh, and uh, so it didn't take it then. You're uh, genuinely very kind to say, let, happy to walk the congregation through this and think about our futures together. Um, and then the second one, the next, the next spring, year, right? yeah. yep, you tried to take another or you were approved for another sabbatical, but had a head injury um, that was... No, no, no. I be became the senior pastor that year. So it would have been... Yeah, and that was the year you had the head injury. So I had a head injury. I can't remember these yes, things. Yes, let me stick so. with the details about the head injury. <laughs> but yeah, you were approved. You were voted in in November. <sighs> And then that same, that next spring. Oh yeah. Okay. Gotcha. You gotcha. had your head injury. Yeah. And so we're in no condition to appreciate a sabbatical. <laughs> Apparently still now yes. I'm not in much of a condition. Uh, to, yes, as, as you have self-evidenced. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then um, the following spring, uh, we ended up in a global pandemic. <laughs> and so that was uh, spring of 2020. And so, again, you uh, decided it was best to, to not go on sabbatical. Um, keep swinging and missing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so we that's came like to... three strikes you're out at yeah, that I point. Know. Right. I know. Um, but apparently you have three outs. So <laughs> that's right. you were able to still stay up, stay in the game. And this last spring, you were, again, approved <laughs> a three-month sabbatical. Fourth time's a charm. Yes. God's Good thing they didn't, like, say, eh. Last chance, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. My daughter Ella, she said, So do you have to wait like now another seven years or do you get <laughs> do you get like those years back? You know, I thought that's a good question. I'm not sure of the handbook policy on that, yeah. but I I vote for not having to wait another seven years. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you we'll got see. to take your sabbatical from mid May to mid August and um I think we'll just hand you the floor and just yeah. say, tell us a little bit about it. Maybe very practically, what, what did you do during it? Did you travel at all? Did you get some home projects done? Um, what was your rhythm? And, and then maybe just a little bit more of just kind of really, where did you see God work in your own heart and life? And then yep. maybe, maybe we'll end up with just kind of how you're feeling about coming back. You yeah. Know? Yeah. No, great. I mean, I, I, it had kind of a set of plans of what was going to happen with the sabbatical when I started it, uh, you know, kind of like leading into it, I, th I th had a vision of what it would look like. And then actually How thick was the to be red pile. Be honest. It was a pretty, th it was pretty thick. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty, th <laughs> it was pretty thick. So I had, I had a number of books I was going to read and, and, uh, then I had some home projects I was planning on working on. And so that was going to kind of consist of, you know, we didn't have a lot of travel plans. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we, we're here most of the summer, you know, it was at church on Sundays, but, but, um, as is often the case, uh, plans, uh, do not 
survive contact with the enemy, uh, as they say in uh, in war. So, um, uh, leading right into the week before sabbatical, um, I I began to have pretty significant anxiety attacks, and maybe I can preface preface that uh, by saying. Um, the last probably six years, for just a variety of reasons, some family-related, uh, some external family, um, you know, there there was just a number of pretty significant stressors uh, that kind of hit me and the family, and um, and it was a little bit like I think the uh, you know the 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 sponge getting full of water, and then. Uh, it just can't absorb anymore, you know? And so it, it, it just reaches its saturation point. And I think going into the sabbatical, I had reached saturation point. And, and to be clear, like I don't, it wasn't uh, kind of the burnout of pastoring. That, that, that would not be, that wouldn't really be it. I think, you know, pastoring through COVID in 2020 was challenging with all of the political division and the, you know, the, the race issues that were going on and, and, um, the COVID. So like that was hard, but there was some water in the sponge from that. Yeah. But that wasn't really the, the sum total of it, you know? Um, and so, so I, it was the week before I had a couple weeks left before I was going to take the sabbatical. And, and, uh, I remember it was a Thursday. I had already finished the sermon and, um, was ready to go for Sunday. I was going to preach that Sunday and the next. And uh, I was watching, I watched a YouTube video of a guy's testimony and his conversion story. And it was just a very dramatic, powerful story. And I, you know, uh, appreciated it. But in, in the, uh, in his testimony, I mean, he, you know, he, he lost his job. He had to give up a bunch of his family relations, his friends. I mean, it was just this really dramatic kind of forsake everything and, and cling to Christ sort of a, of a story. And so I watched that on a, on a Thursday morning and, uh, between like Thursday morning when I watched that and Saturday morning, I just felt this growing sense of, of anxiety begin to emerge. And I'm not, typically I'm not an, I'm not an anxious person, or at least I don't, uh, I don't manifest or think of myself as an anxious person. So it was unusual for me. And, um, I remember I went to work out with some friends and, uh, I, you know, was (laughs) doing burpees on, on uh, Saturday morning and just, I just started to cry and I, I wasn't sure like why I was crying. I didn't know what was going on. I was trying to, (laughs) trying to keep it together. And, um, and uh, the guys I was with, um, Clyde uh, Lundgren and, and Scott Lucas, and, and Clyde said, you know, are you all right? You look like you're going to throw up. You know, you don't look good. And I said, oh, I'm just, I'm not doing well. And so I left. I just quit the workout and, and, and left. And I was driving back home, and there's a park between uh, their house and mine. And, and uh, I just pulled over and went and sat on a bench and just cried, broke down, you know. And I, and I you know, I just was like, I don't know what's going on. This is strange for me. And I, by the time I got home... Uh, I just, if, you, if you're a nervous flyer and you've ever been in a plane and it gets real bad turbulence and your stomach kind of starts to, you know, churn and you get tense and your blood pressure goes up. It was, it was like, uh, from like Thursday 
morning to like that point on Saturday, it was like being in a plane full of turbulence to just kind of like just kept going, you know. So I just, I broke down. We had plans Saturday morning with some friends and uh, I just, I couldn't do it. I just broke down, uh, you know, bawling out my eyes on the couch you know, with my head on Jill's lap and, you know, she was so patient. But I called Johnny and I, I said, Johnny, you know, I, you know, you can have to preach for me tomorrow. I don't think I can, I don't think I can do it. So, uh, he did. And, um, I was thankful for that. And then, uh, he and, and, uh, Brent Rieger, one of our, our former elders, uh, and also my doctor, you know, came over on <laughs> Sunday after church and they're like, okay, you know, like, how you, how you doing? And <laughs> I'm like, man, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not, not doing real, not really doing well. And, um, so then, uh, that anxiety really, uh, I, I would say I had anxiety attacks, uh, for probably the, the better part of the first month, uh, of the sabbatical, you know, and it would kind of ebb and flow to where I would, um, you know, I'd, I'd feel good for a couple of days and, and then, you know, the next day it would be right back into it and I would be, you know, I just was a wreck and, um, and that felt like a new experience to you. To no, it was totally, have, yeah, totally new. Yeah. That's not, that's not, I, w- I haven't been anywhere close to anything like that before. So it was all new territory for me. And, and, uh, you know, for that first like week and a half, I would, I woke up, you know, I forget what day, maybe it was Monday. I woke up feeling better and I'm like, okay, I'm, <laughs> I don't know what that fine. was, but I'm, I'm cured. Yes. You know? <laughs> and uh, then like Tuesday afternoon, I'm like, oh, I'm like, you know, I'm just right back at it, you know? And, and so it's up and down, up and down, up and down. And, uh, so the, the summer, so the, the attacks, the anxiety attacks really were, were, I would say debilitating and severe off and on for that first month. Um, and, uh, then they began to level off in the second month, uh, and the anxiety was still there off and on, but not, you know, I, you could meet me and, and I could kind of keep it together and you wouldn't know that I was feeling anxiety. Uh, and then that the third month, it, it kind of got even less and, and, um, third and it's week. What's that? Third week. The third month. Oh, third month. So the first month, really bad oh, anxiety. Yeah, 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 yeah. Second month, like it yes, leveled gotcha, off gotcha. and third, it, it, you know, yeah. continued to level off and, and, um, and so I, I, you know, I don't want to, uh, I, I think I'm past the, uh, the pronouncements that I'm, I'm, I'm cured and it's all behind me kind of a thing. Right. But I, I, I don't have the same sort of debilitating feel, or at least I don't, I, you know, up to this point, I haven't had the same sort of debilitating feel that I've had, uh, particularly at the beginning of the summer. So much of the summer has been some introspection, trying to figure out like what, what was going, like what's been going on? Like why, why did I have such a, a break? Um, and like what, uh, what was that about? And, um, right. We took a vacation the last week before I would came back from sabbatical. We were down or up in, up in Wisconsin and I sat down on our, uh, you know, deck out there patio and a cup of coffee. And I just wrote down a bunch of things that I felt like I had learned over the summer kind of related to, to the anxiety and, and beyond. And, um, for the staff, I mean, you guys know it here, but like for the staff, I always often come to staff meetings with, you know, 15 theses on, you know, baptisms or, you know, 17 theses on 
communion or 20 theses on gender, you know, whatever. And so I, I uh, made a list and brought to staff on Tuesday uh, last week. It's like 12 theses on, you know, summer sabbaticals, you know, kind of thing. So, so I, I uh, wrote down a number of things, uh, both really mainly for my own self-reflection as to like what, what has the Lord taught me uh, throughout uh, this past summer and, and uh, no doubt will continue to teach me, but um, things that have stood out. So that's kind of what's, uh, you know, in my mind and, and heart. And I think uh, probably like talking through some of the things I feel like the Lord has, has shown me. One point I think is helpful that I know in the in talking with you throughout the early part of sabbatical was that wasn't necessarily something you like contributed to the panic attacks, but just interesting in time framing mm-hmm. was just that the sabbatical was coming so soon. Yeah, and the the kind of uh, panic attacks were coming just as you're kind of going into sabbatical, so you end up. I think taking it a week early or something like that. Um, so it's just interesting. I think when I look back, it was like you, like if you didn't have the sabbatical, yeah. I imagine you would have like kept just fighting through and doing whatever yeah. in your normal grind. But there was something I, I should say, I don't know. As I think about it, I think there must have been something about the release of sabbatical that allowed your own self to be released to emotions that were there, mm-hmm. but could never come to the top because of the demand of the week. Yeah. Does that make sense? No. And I, I don't know that we're saying like, that's like clearly sequential or the contributor or whatever. I just, is an interesting time frame. You know, I do think that I do think that there's a connection with that. Um, because particularly as I began to delve into stuff over the summer, I mean, I think that the, the sort of soil for the kind of anxiety break, uh, was already like, it was already there. So it, it, it wasn't something that happened like right before that. And I think, uh, I kind of have thought of it like the little kid that's on the playground and like they fall and they like hurt their knee and they're trying not to cry, but then they like see their mom on the other side of the playground and they like when they see that their mom sees them in pain and they run to their mom then they start crying it's like they need a safe place to like Please. let out yeah let out the the uh the tears and i feel like the sabbatical was kind of like the mom on the other side of the playground that like let me just like have a break because i i think you're right that um i just probably wouldn't have let myself go into the space that I needed to go into if I had had my day job, you know, kind of, but getting to like where, like, I really, there was nothing left I needed to do to get through to the sabbatical. I, I was trying to preach to finish out a couple things. Preaching that one Sunday. (laughs) You remember that. that, Remember that. that. It's so interesting how our subconscious, like I, whether you knew it or not, how close you were to the, finish line it's like your body knew yeah you know, it's like even mm-hmm. if your mind wasn't 
quite there. And I've found that, like, once I start paying attention to that, I realize how much my subconscious is aware of what's going on, even if my mind is way off. Yeah. (laughs) I think so many people who are listening are probably going to resonate with that because, like, so many of us deal with anxiety and often, like, our, yeah, our bodies know more than our minds are aware of. Yeah, and I think there's just a reality, and we'll get into some of this stuff because I feel like this is somewhat of a learn, but there's the reality of of, um, you you can't easily have anxiety attacks all the time. Like we've got jobs, we've got kids, we've got families, we've got marriages. Like we can't always, <laughs> we can't have total breaks like that, you know, breakdowns like that, you know? And so we learn how to suppress it and to like work around it and to not feel it and all this sort of stuff. So in, in, in so many ways, I just really feel like the sabbatical was such a, a grace from the Lord because I, I, I don't think I could have like got to a place of like letting myself enter into all of the, the anxiety that was already there, uh, without having the space from the sabbatical to do it. So, um, and the timing of it, frankly, I mean, I don't know that, that if I had taken a sabbatical, you know, three or four years ago, whether it would have, where I don't think I would have had the breakdown that I had going into it. Right. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't so stressed at that point. Um, and I wasn't ready, uh, to enter into all that. I think if I had, you know, waited another couple of years to take a sabbatical, I mean, I don't know what, what that would have looked like either in the other direction. Right. So I feel like, again, like it was just, was the Lord was just very gracious even to postpone the sabbatical until the time when I like really needed it and yeah. could profit from it. So, um, yeah. And I think that's just kind of was the main thing I was flagging yeah. up is just the, the kind of painful beauty and yeah. the timing of God and God's timing for your sabbatical. Um, what did you find? Mm. <laughs> right. So when, you, when the anxiety attacks yeah. were coming and you were in your sorrow, what did you find? Yeah. I, you know, I say a little bit more about, you know, we're watching this video. I mean, a lot of what, I, what I'm going to share uh, is sort of like with three months of a lot of like introspection. So I don't know that I had this all, I didn't have this all figured out like each point Slow along the way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you didn't write a book at each phase. I did not write a book at each phase. Of not, discovery. Not yet. Not yet. But I, you know, we'll try to get there. Disappointing, but all right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, in watching that, you know, that testimony, um, what makes it such a powerful testimony is the degree to which the, the guy just gave up everything, you know? And so, you know, when Jesus talks to the rich young ruler and he says, sell all you have, give to the poor and come follow me. I mean, like, that's a, that's a big ask, you know, (laughs) that's, that is a, that is a big ask. And, um, you know, and so like watching that video, uh, that testimony, I, I had this distinct feeling of, um, like, that's how it's supposed to be. That's how it should be. And that's not, I haven't done that. And I, I haven't sold everything and given it to the poor. I haven't, you know, let goods and kindred go, you know, as, as the Martin Luther's hymn says, you know, I haven't forsaken mother or father, or, you know, like I just, I live in a nice community and a decent home with a nice church and have a good job. And, and I just great felt staff. a great staff. Great absolutely. Staff. <laughs> just added to my sense of, you know, guilt and, um, <laughs> yeah, that's not the case. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> not the case. Uh, and, uh, 
and just this sense that like I, I, I had this almost overwhelming sense of feeling compromised spiritually mm-hmm. and that I wasn't giving God enough that I needed to give God more. And then, and, and then this thought of like, like, you know, like the picture that sort of comes to into my mind that came into my mind then is like, you're walking down the hallway of life and there's these rooms on your right and your left and, and, uh, you know, Jesus is walking with you and you come to one door and it's like this ominous door with like the, you know, Jaws music coming out of the room and you open it up and it's just like black, like unknown terror. And Jesus is like, go in there. That's go in there. And, and it was like, it was, it was just very fearful it was, you know, trying to explain it to Jill. She's just, she was so patient and was very kind and both like not taking me too seriously because I was having you know, kind of a mental breakdown, but also like empathetically, like taking me seriously in, in the midst of my fear. Um, and uh, so I, it, I just this sense that like I needed to like be giving more, doing more, like God wanted more. I wasn't giving enough. This was kind of like the, the reoccurring like break or fear of my anxiety. So anyway, so I, I um, think I learned a lot. And so this, what I'll kind of share now is sort of the order in which I think these things uh, came to me uh, kind of early on and then as we moved through the summer. But the first thing that I, I feel like I learned uh, as I began to talk with the uh, therapist, like pretty much right away, Jill's like, you got to go see somebody. <laughs> so, you know, you can cry to me, but you got to go talk to somebody. So I, I started talking to uh, a counselor who's just been really helpful, Christian guy, uh, very insightful. And, um, and I say the first thing I learned is that suppressing emotions is not self-selective uh, and that you can't suppress bad negative emotions without at the same time suppressing good positive emotions. And when I think about not just the, you know, the past, call it five or six years leading up to the sabbatical, but then also um, really my whole life, I am a very even tempered personality and uh, you know, it can, uh, you know, could be, you know, accused of, of being stoic. Uh, I can be really calm in the midst of, turmoil. And I've always valued that as something that is, uh, admirable. But what I began to see is that, um, when you like shut off the negative emotions, you also start shutting off the positive emotions as well. And so, you know, to take the equalizer and like narrow the bandwidth to kind of all like a center, you know, you, you cut out the highs and the lows both, uh, there are times in life where that's helpful, but then there are times in life where that's not helpful. And I feel like I have spent a good part of my life, you know, go back into my childhood really, but like I spent a, a good part of my life. Um, I, I was a very volatile kid, probably up to like 10 or 12, um, really all over the place. And then somewhere in around like 12, like early adolescent, I, I got more and more controlled, more and more steady, more and more even. Uh, and that's kind of stayed with me. And, um, and while that is good, I, I realized that I've, I've been shutting off a lot of the positive emotions, uh, as well as the negative emotions. Um, so that, 
that was kind of the first insight. And then like right on the heels of that was this thought that I've, I've evened out my personality or I've kind of narrowed the bandwidth, um, as a means of self-protection. And so the, um, uh, the, the desire to eliminate the, the negative emotions is, uh, it's a self-protective way of insulating myself from grief and sorrow. And so much of what came out in that first month, um, I, I, I would, you know, I'd start breaking down about how I felt like my life was compromised and I would end up crying about things that were not that at all about like pains from my family or difficult, you know, like things that were not, um, what I st- started was feeling the anxiety about. And, uh, it's like a vault was opened and there was yeah, a whole bunch. That's right. In there. There's a lot in there and it's like, you, yeah, you know, you think your anxiety is about one thing, but then you realize it's actually not about that. It's, it's about other stuff. Right. And, um, and I, I, f- things that like, again, like maybe the past six or seven years, but, but even I think going back through much of my life where like, I just don't let myself move towards grief really. And I don't, I would not say that I consciously suppress it. Although I think I, I've, I have developed a habit of suppressing it, but I would say, um, I've done that for so long that I don't even have to think about it. You know, like it just, I just suppress it unconsciously. And so things that have happened in my life where it's like, that should be bothering me, but it, it doesn't bother me. It's not that I'm just like rising above it. It just doesn't touch me. And, um, and I feel like that has been like a learned behavior to insulate myself from, from pain and sorrow and grief. And then the downside of that, I mean, there's an upside to that because like if you're in the middle of conflict or it's tumultuous or turmoil, like you do need someone to be level headed and even and kind of, uh, can kind of keep keep the equilibrium. Survival on yeah, absolutely. You know, so there there's a reason where we ad, we uh, admire stoicism to a, to to a certain degree, um, and uh, there is um, there there's a beautiful element to that kind of control. You know, but when you become sto- when you're stoic by choice in order to love the others, others around you to help kind of keep things like that's one thing. But when you like move towards stoicism as a form of self-protection and then it becomes just the setting of your life, you, you, you insulate yourself from pain, but you also insulate yourself from, from, from joy. And, um, there's a self-protective move in stoicism and that became very clear to me over the summer as I moved through the grief and anxiety that so much of what my life has been about has been trying to protect myself from, uh, yeah, from grief and sorrow and from pain, which, which isn't all bad. No, because it, it, yeah. in, in some ways yeah. though, it disallowed positive, maybe intense, positive emotions. It did protect you probably from some things that were worth being protected from. Yeah. And I think that that's a good word because I, I think that like our, you know, call it our maladaptive prote- self-protective patterns that we learn. Like there's a reason we learned them and we probably needed them, you know, early on. But then at some point it's like, I think in the Lord's graciousness, he's kind of like, okay, like you don't, yes. you don't need that anymore. Yeah, that's you right. Know? It so needs like to be let's, stewarded. Let's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it should not control you. You should control it. 
Yeah. You know, this is a gift you have, but now you need to be in control of it. You know? Yeah. And, um, I think like with so much of my life, I, you know, I don't want to stop and smell the flowers in the spring because I know they're going to die in the winter. And so it's, um, like why let yourself get attached to something that's just going to wilt up and, and die. And, and so that's a fundamentally self-protective move though, you know, and what ends up happening is you're, you, you're robbed of the joy that comes from all these little like nuggets of God's grace in life, uh, that you don't let yourself rejoice in because you just, they're all going to go away. And, and I feel like I, you know, I, I've, I've lived too much of my life like that, you know, where I just have prevented myself from entering into the joy of the moment because I know the moment's not going to last forever. And the, the mistake in that, of course, is, you know, with the flowers in the spring is like, they always do, they die in the winter, but then they come back in the spring. Like they do come back in the spring, right? So it's okay. You can rejoice, but there will come a time when it's like the last flower in the last world, like dies and it's gone from a natural perspective, but that's the hope of the resurrection, you know, is it does come like, there's always a spring, you know, in the, in the Christian world. Um, and in the Christian frame, the flowers always do come back. So like you don't have to self protect, you know, from, um, enjoying the moment and, and man, to, to, um, to live your life where you're just trying to insulate yourself from the next disappointment. It just, yeah, the next time you have a sabbatical, you're going to break down, <laughs> you know, so, you know, it's just not the, uh, that's just, it's not the way to live and it's not how God, it's not the, it's not the way to enjoy the, the world that God has given as a gift to us.